Hey guys, before we start the show, just want to let you know that we had a few issues with the audio in this episode. It's been repaired, but you may notice that at some parts. So, enjoy the show! There was an organisation with people with disabilities and they used art as a way to express themselves and give them creative outlet. Now, these people came to my exhibition and they were really attracted by my work. One of them was staring at me and they goes, this piece makes me happy and I enjoy looking at it. Now I said, fine, it's yours. I'm doing that because this piece of work is touching somebody and is making them in the emotional state which is happiness. Art is not what you see, it's what you make others see. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the One Foot in the Sink podcast, ladies and gents. My name is Anis and Foz is here. Assalamu alaikum everyone. And he is an award-winning artist. It's Teekster. Hey, assalamu alaikum. Hello, my friends. Muslims. Muslim. Muslim lifestyle podcast. What do you think the podcast is about? I think it's about Muslim because you put your foot in the sink when you do a do. It's about a story called the Ghostbusters. So Foz, are you the artistic type? Um, I'm more creative, but I wouldn't call myself an artist. Far from it, if anything. Art is not what you see, it's what you make others see. I don't make other, other people see anything. Yeah, the only thing that people see from my work of art is um, stickmen. That's as creative as I can get. <laughs> hey, hey, I want to say that. Do you guys go to Subway? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you need to be pretty creative to make your sandwich, don't you? Well, yeah, I guess so. That's a good Otherwise, way of seeing it. Otherwise, you'll end up, you know, with a layer of mess. Yeah, but I would not know how to make that sandwich. If I tried to make that sandwich, it would just be all over the place. There would be no layers or nothing. He's a lost cause. Yeah, my creativity <laughs> just ends. <laughs> Alright, so should we just jump into the opening question? Alright, cool. Yeah, let's go. Alright, so this episode's opening question is, if you could have any talent that you don't already have, what would it be? And as usual, we start with you, Foz. Yeah, this one I struggled a bit. <laughs> it's because you've got many talents. It's very true. I've got so many talents. What can I say? But uh, I think maybe something around reading minds or you could just get a feel of how what people are thinking and you know if you should say something if you shouldn't say something but more about what people are thinking so if you're winding them up you know should you go further should you wind them up more or how to wind people up um yeah i think it's more kind of a psychological insight into people you you just want to be professor xavier from (laughs) x-men Yes, he's got the amazing, he's got the best power yeah i'm just gonna wear that metal helmet like magnetos and you can't you won't be a reader of mine at all I like the fact that the moment you got these powers, you already decided to go down the, you know, the dark route or something. It's not like, oh yeah, I'll become a detective. I can solve crime. I can you know, help the world. It's not. I can find people that hate me and then, then do them over. For our regular listeners, they'll know that Foz, all of Foz's answers are quite dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you should you'd be watching too many Tim Burton movies or something. Definitely a twisted character he is. What about you, Teekster? What's your answer? You know what? We're going down the road next year and stuff, right? I want to be somewhere like Nightcrawler, where you can teleport, you know, I need to do Hajj today, bam, and then I, I want to go check out, you know, oh, Pikachu, wow. bam, I'm there in Japan, hot sea. So that's, to me, teleportation is probably the best. That's a good answer. Anise, what's yours? So the talent I want to have is being able to free run or parkour, so, you know, jumping off buildings, running through scaffoldings and just running away from things. And not getting hurt. So my man wants to be Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. 
So we have Xavier, a free runner, and we have a nightcrawler. Cool. Our guest today is Teekster. Thank you for coming on the show today. Um, we're really, really looking forward to this. Me and Anissa are both fans of Islamic-inspired street art. Our knowledge of art is very limited, but um, it's great to have you on nevertheless. So your artist's name is Teekster, and you're a multi-award-winning artist who offers a refreshing new take on Islamic art in the 21st century. Your work has been featured in publications and exhibitions across the USA, UAE, Europe, and the Far East for over a decade now. Uh, you have exhibited your work on a diverse range of audiences, including various world leaders and Middle Eastern royalty. Your artistic style is a fusion of Islamic artist traditions and a modern techniques inspired by your British upbringing. And you're recognized as one of the leading Muslim digital artists in the world. And BBC Radio has described you as one of the rising stars of the Islamic art scene. So there's loads going on there. We want to explore your journey so far, perceptions of art in Islam, inspirations behind some of your work, and get some advice for anyone looking to get the creative juices flowing. But before we start going into all of that, so tell us about yourself, Teekster. So where you're from, your upbringing, and your family. Well, saying that out loud, you know, normally when you're in your little world, you yeah. just get, kind of get locked away, you just do your thing. But then when someone says, starts saying that out loud, you're like, oh yeah, I did do these things. Because, you know, I'm just a normal bloke simple-minded like, guy in the middle of a country, in the English countryside to do my thing and I forget all the past things that I've done in the past year or so but I guess like most people from an ethnic background our parents have always like seen art as an, a hobbyist type of thing, it's not something people take too seriously and that's probably true with most people because when most parents came from the West the main objective is to like make money and the security of their family back home. And that's what they've always done, things that they don't have time for, you know, being in the creative sector, being that in designing, drawing, or anything. It's all about hard, duty work. The first generation arrived, and it's almost like an identity clash, almost, where you're not fully accepted by the country that you've adopted. And in the same way, you're trying to also understand where you come from. And I think part of my work, was to do that is actually connect with my Islamic roots. Before we go into, because we want to, we really do want to cover that, but I just want to find out a bit about yourself. How was your upbringing and your family life? Um, I'm going to be quite frank. They were totally against it. It's not till I start winning awards and, you know, checks for cash. They were like, hang on, you maybe not wasting my time. But, you know, at the end of the day, all the parents want from the child is this element that they'll be secure for their future and you, I understand it from them aspect but the problem is is that from a, if you think about it from an Islamic perspective if money and materialistic goods is what takes your priority then you have to re readjust what is kind of like important to you because as you know we're told that anything in this world is temporarily once we die the only things we will take are good deeds and the things that we've like left this world, for example, like children and you know, any scarf that you paid out, anything, anything materialistic will be gone in the void of time. So, I guess to be an artist, especially if you're going to mark yourself as a Muslim artist, right? Because there's a lot of people that are calling themselves Muslim artists, and that's fair enough, right? Now, okay, I might go a bit crazy here, but brace yourself. For me, if you're just going to make art, you're just an artist, right? And you can do whatever you want. If you want to cut a cow up, you want to put a dead body up, you want to do something really wacky, fine, you're an artist, you're free to express that. But if you're going to call yourself a Muslim artist, it's your duty, I would say, to honour the kind of like 
our Islamic heritage and put that into good light. You don't call yourself and brand yourself as a Muslim artist and then start picking pity naked ladies, right? Because that's not what being a, a, uh, the way I perceive a Muslim artist is all about. You're trying to almost be a mirror to your Islamic heritage. You need to bring it up. And I kind of get, for me personally, I kind of find that people are doing stuff for more profit reasons because you can see that in their style because a lot of people want to choose art to make profit out, which is not what I want to do. I just want to do something where I'm pushing my creative side and reconnecting to all my heritage. And when I say British and Western styles, is that I use key Islamic design concepts and I bring them on using, I would like to say, Western design techniques as well. So some, it's a merger of two, because that's what I am. I'm not exactly born in the East or born in the West, but I still want to remember my heritage, which, you know, is quite important. People say, if you don't remember your past, then you won't know where you're going for, you know, future that's quite interesting teeks to what you said um you're not chasing the materialistic aspect of it which is uh making money out of it but when you were growing up as a young kid were you always practicing art and creating and when did your love for islam and your love for art start to blend together as you were growing up well i think being a growing up as a minority in, in England, you can't, it's kind of weird because uh, not to disrespect the first generation arrived there, like I said, they were focused on work and the creative expression wasn't really explored, especially if you look at some of the masters that built in England. They're kind of like uninspired. They're just brick houses. The outside is okay and then it's basically whitewashed in, you know, inside of it. And when you actually see masters, for example, in Turkey, the outside looked nice, but the inside was even more amazing. There was like scripture calligraphy on the walls, such amazing decorative designs. When I first asked, he said, how come your masters inside are way more beautiful on the inside than compared to the ones that you find normally, you know, in East London or you know, Bradford or Oxford? And they go, well, we want to create a place where like, you don't want to leave. It's almost increases your meditation and to almost as a reminder where this is the sanctuary. Now, because of that, that kind of enlightened the, the Islamic spark and it made me curious. So it's not about going to the masjid and going to Adabada, blah, 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 blah. It's more than that because, you know, Islam in itself has full rainbow of different heritage and you know, offers different things for different people. If you want to be a scientist, be the best scientist you want. You want to be a creative, this is what you can do, architecture. It's not just a case of, you know, going to the masjid. Although that is important, to learn your basic core values which you need to carry on throughout your life. There's actually so much that Islam can provide you if you're willing to open yourself up to the opportunities and not go in there with a closed mind. So once you actually delve into that, you actually learn, especially if you learn about the golden age of Islam and the creative things that they've done through you know, science, art, philosophy, then you realise it's not just a core religion, it's actually quite and this is why people get attracted to it because it's such a beautiful thing and it just inspires creativity. When you started, when you were a young kid and thinking, this is what I want to do, what was that moment for you that you thought, I'm going to do this? Oh, please, I still live in fear of my parents. I mean, the whole reason why I did the Teakster pseudonym is that they don't know what type of stuff I'm getting into. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> so uh, that's my first tip for anyone, like, create a pseudonym. <laughs> That's interesting because, you know, like, like like you, we both grew up in England in an ethnic minority background and creativity is not something that is celebrated. So it, it's quite insightful from your end. And, you know, you, you touched upon that your parents weren't uh, open to it until you know, the cash started coming in. How did you manage to hide that? 
this creative spark that you had within you? Well, if you really want to take an interest in art, there's a few things that you need to know. Well, here's what I found out. You should, you should first have love work before anything else, not before skill, not before the money, not before anything. The love must come first because no matter what you do, if you have no personal interest in that, you could be a food taster and if you don't like eating food, that's a complete waste of time and effort. So first of all, you need to have love. Things like fame and money, that's just a byproduct of doing something which has any real value or meaning in it. Is that should not be the reason why you do the network. If you want to be famous, don't do art. But the thing is, with money and fame, that's just a byproduct of doing great stuff. If the passion is not there, then the quality of the work will not show. It's been fascinating hearing your insight into you know why you're doing it, what you're doing. But what about inspiration for your work? You know, how do you keep your ideas fresh? I normally keep like an Islamic undertone in my work, and I never do something which I wouldn't be ashamed of my own walls and then well the fact is, is that the stuff which I do is completely different from anything else out there because I dab a lot of like in, in the digital realm and most times when I see digital artwork it's just a, not to take anything away from it it's like a piece of calligraphy with the, like a some sort of color gradient in the background and that's it I'm like oh come on with the technology we have nowadays you can produce them way better and the more I look the less I found which I could easily compare to my, I don't want to say competition, but somebody that does something similar. And I couldn't find nothing like that. So whoops. so I would say my stuff is really unique. On the flip side of that, I can easily tell when someone's ripping my work off because I don't know my work is so unique. When I start seeing it in, you know, T-shops or sweatshops, I'm like, okay, you stole that from my website. Or the best one, is when I met somebody who's using my artwork in their blog and they met me and they didn't realize they stole it from me and, and then I was like, yeah, that's my artwork. This is the darker side of being a creative is that if you don't put your work out there, no matter how good you are, people won't know you exist. Because once you put stuff out there, people think, oh yeah, I can use that in whatever I think. And then that's, I think, an issue that's always been there and they will never die off where people will assume that belongs to them. It's like if I was to have a Ferrari, I leave my Ferrari out in front of my house. And someone sees that and go, oh, he's left that for me to take. Thanks, Bobby. And they drive off with it. I was like, no, no, no. I just put it there, mate, for you to show that I've, I've, I've achieved stuff in life. <laughs> so I'm really interested to kind of get behind your thinking and, you know, how you come up with your work. So, you know, you described a bit about the work that you do is digital and things. Can you just let the listeners know a bit more about what is your work? Like, what is your art? Okay. Well, I want to say digital because a majority of my work is used using computer effects. However, I always use a computer. Oh my God, I'm giving all my secrets away. I always okay. use, I always tell people that a computer will not do everything for you. There's some things which a computer can't do, which natural technique or natural brushstrokes can achieve. A computer can never fully achieve a perfect brushstroke or different styles of projects. There's textures involved and so on. But with a computer, you can enhance things, you can change colors, you can manipulate things which you can never ever do with natural techniques. So if someone says which is better, digital or you know natural techniques, I said neither. They're both different and have the both advantage and disadvantage. What I use is I use a combination of both of them to achieve what I need to achieve. 
So let's use an example. You know, if you had to commission a building, what kind of thoughts would go through your mind? You know, if you had to design a building or anything like that, what, what just Talk us through what your thought process would be. What design a building? Not design, not actually not design a building, but maybe a painting for a building on the outside of the building, like a street art type of thing. Oh, so like a mural. I think the main thing I wanted, first thing I wanted to inspire is positivity. I think one of the most important things is positivity. So whatever you put onto these walls have to inspire people or, you know, shoot out positivity because there's enough darkness in the world around you. So, if I was going to do a mural hall, if, if, if I can get the local community involved, then it becomes more than just my project, it becomes a community-based project. Then it's really important to make something either relevant from that area or something inspirational. I like to use a lot of blue tones in my work sometimes because blue tone has like a harmonious effect. It also has healing properties in it as well if you want to go into the science of colours. Each colour can person's mood. Do you just get it straight out on the wall or would you start planning on paper? Like how does it work? If I was going to do a wall, I'd probably take back and think about it for a while and make some notes and stuff. I can't just, just jump into the wall because I, I like to do a bit of pre-planning and sometimes if it's like an interior wall, I like to use like custom-made wallpaper and add effects to that as well because that adds another dimension to it. And the other factor is speed as well. Like one time I had to do like this wall and in three hours, in the middle of winter, so it's really cool for the paint couldn't dry as far. So I had to think outside the box how to achieve something which I can do in three hours. But yeah, that was fun. Wow. So you mentioned that um, you're an award-winning artist. So can you just elaborate a bit more on awards that you have won? Uh, no, okay, this is going to sound like a shopping list. You know what? If I'm, if I'm honest... Okay, I'm not too bothered about the awards. Now, the awards sound great. I mean, it looks good on paper. Because when you say something I'm like, sure your parents had other ideas when the checks came in. <laughs> no, it's true. Because, for example, I've got, I was given the Alhambra Award, which recognizes the best of contributions to British societies by Muslims, which I won. But I had, like, thanks from the ex previous Prime Minister for my, the stuff which I've done. Um, I've won Artist of the Year by the Emerald Network. I've also won... Uh, oh, sugar. Oh, my God, I sound like a noxious because I can't remember what... But anyway, who cares about that, right? No, but I mean, the <laughs> the standing behind the award, like you said, though, um, you know, what is, does the award mean? Like, the Alhambra Award. Like, I never knew what that was, but when you said what it actually means... There's actually meaning behind it, and uh, you know, and from from your point of views, I wouldn't hide away from it because you won an award and it means something. It's kind of showing, you know, you made a positive impact. You know, were there any other key awards for you personally that, you know, actually, yeah, I did that and it meant something. I guess okay. There's two things I want to answer. Yes, I must admit, when someone gives you an award, they recognise your skill and they acknowledge the fact that. Um, you are doing something which is beneficial for her, and it's really important that you're not some cheapskate trying to do this on the fly and flag your way across, you know, a radio station. But it kind of confirms that you are good at what, you, what you, you're passionate about. But a secondary thing, and I think this is the most important part, awards are one thing, but what is more part important is, like, when you touch people. There was actually an um, organisation with people with disabilities, and they used art as a way to express them themselves and give them something to basically create a creative outlet. Now, these people came to 
you know, my exhibition, and they were really attracted by my work. So much so, one of them was staring at me, and they goes, this piece makes me happy, and I enjoy looking at it. Now I said, fine, it's yours. Without a second, they said, well, no, I wasn't doing that because I'm some sort of hero. I'm doing that because, hey, if this, this piece of work is touching somebody and is making them in the emotional state, which is happiness, which is happiness wouldn't it be better for me to give it to him so he continually has the happiness state rather than, oh, mate, that's going to cost you, you know, a thousand pounds and you can't have that. No, because I know he'll get that vision of satisfaction and, you know, and that visual nourishment that anybody else wouldn't be able to provide for him. And that was more rewarding than anything I've ever said before. By saying that, though, an award does look cool on a show. <laughs> and how have you been discovered around the world? Sometimes I do put my work out there just so people can see what I'm capable of. And there's, there's other projects. If you do well on a project, commission project, the people will respect your talent. I think with the creative industry, a lot of it, you have to prove it to yourself before people will acknowledge it. And then not every type, for example, like one of my images I did, it got, there's a prayer image which people were fascinated by it. I got commissions to put in from the magazines and, you know, newspaper uh, articles because it represented a person in prayer. But at the same time, I got, like, this five-page essay by some mysterious person where they cursed the images, saying, oh, my God, this image represents death, it's horrible, you should take it down, you should never use it again, yada, yada, yada. And if there's any young artists out there, I'll say first thing you need to do is also establish the thick skin because a lot of people like to criticize. And it's always the same old story. And, you know, when you're trying to fix something, you're trying to say, oh, you're doing it wrong. But not one person, one of, not one of them is willing to help you out. The same way, they will just criticize you. And when I saw that criticism, there's a difference between criticism, uh, useless criticism and useful criticism. Useless criticism, useful, useless criticism is, that's rubbish, I don't like it. That comments like that should be ignored. You throw them away and never give them a second choice because if you did, they would destroy you emotionally. But if someone says to you, oh, you know that I can't, that facial structure doesn't look right, it looks too fake, or, you know, that I don't like the color combination because it doesn't represent what you're trying to achieve or something, then that's more useless trying to sit you into a direction. You may agree or disagree with a person, but at least they're providing you information which you could use. You mentioned you've done some collaborations with other artists and you've been discovered through your work um i noticed in your bio that you said that you did have some collaboration with other artists like P is it peter saunders and lc how did that come about and what were you involved with with them because i've seen some of lc's work and his style is very much a mixture of calligraphy and graffiti right yeah i discovered lc 2008 how he became lc you know he was a normal street artist and I saw his work and I went, this stuff's amazing. I think at the time he was unheard of. And I said to him, oh, would you like to do a project with me and do some design work? And he said, sure. And we did some like Im joint images together. And um, it's great when you work with other creatives as well. And I thought it would be great if we could just join our styles together. And that's the thing. I always want to work with young artists who need that extra bit of exposure. Because when I was in that shoot, there was a lack of people that were willing to invest their time with me. So what I decided when I'm in a stronger position, there's other young artists which need a bit more exposure, a bit more, you know, 
recognition, I'll offer my time with them and actually cover them. I also do now workshops with young artists now saying this is some some principles or kind of key concepts you need to know if you want to succeed. Yeah, I've read about those um, workshops that you do. So, so describe the work that you do because I know you do go to local communities, do workshops and do presentations. Um, can you share some more details on that? I guess it depends because well, me, I kind of keep it organic because everybody's artistic journeys are different from everybody else's. Some people want to know, well, how do I get better exposure? How do, how, how do you handle clients? So I try to keep them organic and maybe give them something which is more useful to them rather than generic stuff. So I'll use real-world examples to help the young artists to actually be useful for their creative process. So say um, someone's listening to this podcast right now and they're looking at pursuing to be an artist um, besides, you know, growing a thick skin, which I guess applies to anyone who creates content out there and puts themselves out there. What other piece of advice would you give them specifically to anyone who's thinking artistically or creatively? I guess I go back to my first point, the passion needs to be there. If you don't have the passion, then you're just wasting time because you won't have the passion you have love, and that will show in your work. Especially if you're just doing it for some like like a few years back, there was a lot of people that wanted to do art, and the real reason was it to create some sort of clash drone, and you could see the quality of the work. It wasn't that great, and all those kind of like new art deco places which opened, they quickly shut down because they realised maybe people just don't want a piece of calligraphy on a basic canvas, they actually want a bit of creativity and a bit of heart in those images. And I guess another thing which, on the back of that, and one thing I always tell young people is not to be taken advantage of, because once you start doing things, once you get start recognised for your work, some people will, and I, I, I've had to say this from experience, they start to take advantage of you. Now, there's doing stuff for free, which, in my opinion, is okay a lot for yourself. But the moment when other people come start getting uh, involved, when other clients, when things contain clients or commission, then you need to be a bit more business savvy. And if there's one thing I have to say to anybody who's listening, and it's this thing, exposure does not pay rent. If someone wants to commission you, have a certain price frame in your mind and stick to it. Always have a price and stick to it. You can negotiate out. For example, if Adidas comes knocking around. You can add a few extra zeros in that. There's no harm in that. But because if you don't respect yourself, then we'll take advantage of you. And what about um, from your experience as well, Anybody? You know, if you haven't got the support, you know, what's kept you going? Create a pseudonym. That is really important. <laughs> so your parents don't find out. <laughs> but is there any other advice, you know, if they haven't got the support? Okay, you know what? One thing I have to say, meet other creative people. Not because you want to steal off them. Sometimes it being a crazy can be quite an isolated and you know distracting experience, but you're too busy stuck in your own little world and you're thinking, Oh my god, this does this look any good? But when you meet other creatives they actually help to hook or support other creative events because end of the day, people are not islands, we're a community. This might sound like a very vague question, so apologies in advance, but um, I always often wondered, so once I went to the Louvre Museum in Paris, and I was just walking around aimlessly, looking at all the paintings, Mona Lisa and all that, and it just didn't do anything for me. 
Like I really tried looking at the paintings and, you know, left, I looked left and right and everyone's so smitten by the paintings, but it's for me, it just wouldn't do anything. So my question is, how do you appreciate art, like a picture or a painting or anything like that? Because I'm sure there are people who also are thinking similar to me. I hope so. Otherwise I'll be the only one. It's just you, mate. <laughs> no, no, you won't be the first and you won't be the last. Okay. Do you like milkshakes? Yeah. You know, my milkshakes makes all the oh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And when you're at the yard, which milkshake do you get? What's your favorite milkshake? It's usually like one of those mixture ones, you know, like a snick, maybe probably like a Snickers one. What? Why? Why do you do? Why do you? Yeah, and vanilla, mate. Chocolate with vanilla, nuts, vanilla all the way. Yeah, see, no, no, you're both from strawberry or the strawberry, one. Strawberry, yeah. That's the thing here. Art, like the same way as milkshakes, everybody's got their own interpretation of what they think is better. And in the same way, you said, I appreciate street art, but I don't appreciate painting. That's the same with milkshakes, is that everybody has their own personal opinion of what they think is amazing. Now, of course, Milk, vanilla milkshake or vanilla float are amazing and, and I'm not going to lie I do like my Snickers milkshakes as well they're pretty awesome but so strawberry but everybody is subjective in what they think is amazing and then it's the emotional attachment a person has to that piece of artwork normally determines how much they're willing to pay for that because if, if let's say if an image makes you heightens your senses, makes you feel something which you have not felt or gives you a certain like emotional feeling, then you will pay whatever you want to have that piece you want, especially if the only piece is unique. Then he would pay for whatever and that's something which you can't really put a price back on. That's why some people are not willing to pay millions and millions of pounds because of that status almost like I've got this in my house that does me this or I've got the only copy of this and it's in my house so that's another world another conversation for another day but it's basically what the piece does and what it resonates inside to you you know what the first person to say yeah I don't get it there'll be many people before you and many people after you who said the same thing it's just what personal what, what kind of like emotional attachment you have to the piece and the same way you think Snickers milkshakes are the best because you know you like that and you that's what you think is better. It's a good way to, a good example. Of and you're still wrong, strawberry better anyway. Nah, it's got to be vanilla, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we start going into our final sections, Teek, one of the things we want to ask is, how has your art helped show another side of Islam or being a Muslim? Do you know what's the funny thing about that? The biggest positive message I've actually got off from the non-Muslims um, they're the ones who kind of understand my work more and they actually have more questions because it's a great conversation to start because I try to use pieces which A, gives people to talk about, ask questions or sometimes an image affects somebody inside of them and that's when I know that I've done something right is when they start having the question thing but I think with art, it kind of like art is one of the unique things which can basically communicate unhindered by language barriers. If someone sees, someone sees something positive, they'll understand that positive. And especially in the West, where the West sees culture and arts as a rich, well, as a scale on how advanced a civilization are. And they use culture as a means of communicating. 
because because they always talk about the Greeks being amazing because of all the statues and sculptures and whatever things things and because they say oh they've got a really good culture of arts that's why we can tell us that society was sophisticated compared to somebody who was just building you know cave paintings they were like oh you know they haven't done much with the creative ability so you know like I said art has the ability to communicate unhindered by language barriers and even touch people at a emotional personal level and have you got any particular stories or examples of where you've had feedback from like non-muslims about your work oh uh, all the time there's one of my pieces called absolution now it's always quite popular and it's a great conversation and stuff um, and it's about a guy and he's making prayer but i just used different layers of blue and the reason for that is that as you know prayer is a way to wash sins away and the same way, if you do wudu, you're washing, they say if you, every time you perform wudu, you, some of your minor sins are also being washed away. The water is also used as other religions to use as a way, for example, in Christianity, you have absolution where people wash themselves. And so, so, so water is actually quite a key kind of like core concept across many religions where they use it to baptize themselves and, you know, remove the sins. And that particular piece, gets recognized and people understand that and they also understand the meaning behind that image and that one is quite popular really interesting hearing the thought behind it yeah um i'm gonna move on to our next sections um what resources or books would you recommend for anybody wanting to enhance their artistic skills whether it be digital or whether they just want to know be better at art um i guess start with basics to understand the color wheel the importance of colors and the meaning behind colors and how opposite colours are useful because I think colours have a powerful meaning and if you read about colours and how different cultures and societies use colours I just find that particularly fascinating the same with patterns and geometry there's an amazing book by Eric he's a good friend of mine and he talks about geometry and the importance of geometry and that's a quite good place to start if you want to know about the core concepts of geometry and there's many other amazing calligraphy books on Amazon I guess the first thing, if you say, what is the best book, I can't give you an answer to that. Cause, as in, there's lots of good material out there. I know that's a cop-out answer, but I'm going to be brutally honest. I've read a bit about colours, and you are right. It is really fascinating here about how using certain colours could work and seeing examples of that. No, thank you for that. So now we're going to move on to our quick fire round. So we're going to ask you some questions and you can answer. You can, it's not specific to quick fire round actually, um, but you can answer, you know, if it comes to your mind and you want to expand on it, you know, feel free to do so. So Nish, you want to go first? Okay. So the first question is, what is your must have item for the work that you do? Uh, brain that is well slept. <laughs> Getting good sleep. I thought you were going to say something like a brush or a computer, but that's a good answer. Trust me, man. When you're knackered, then you're going to try to be creative. You just have drawing pillows and whatnot. <laughs> um, okay, next question. Your favourite piece of art? Oh, my God, I can't answer that. That's like saying which is, to a mother, which is your child. <laughs> uh, okay, pick your top three. It doesn't have to be your own. It could be someone else's as well. You know what? Here's a shout to the listeners. Go to my website and, you know, tell me which one they like and I'll see if I agree with them or not. <laughs> we'll have a vote. All right. The next question is a purchase that you've made in the last few months that has really impacted you. A tablet. Well, actually, that's a lie. That was a few years ago. Um, <laughs> Sorry, it could be it. I'm not, you know what? As strange as this sounds, I'm not really a techie savvy person. I normally buy something which has its function. 
but I don't just buy whim things. I need to have a good reason. Like, okay, apart from my Steam account, I'm not gonna look. That's that's amazing. I've downloaded so many games, but I haven't played any of them yet. What was that? Steam account. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, come on, you must know what Steam account is. <laughs> yeah, no, he's like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> what is it? What is it? What is Steam? Oh my god, that's a joke, right? Honestly, I don't know. I'm gonna Google it right now. Steam's like an online platform for gaming. Okay, while he's Googling that, I'm going to ask you the final question um, from the quickfire round that is. If there was one city outside of the UK which you could display your work, where would it be? Indonesia or Turkey. Mainly because Indonesia has a quite a creative hub and I want to play with the big boys over there because I'm exhibited over there. Turkey, because of its Ottoman history and it's, been, it's probably the centre of creativity at one point. For example, still to this day, Turkey has one of the best pilpul meals in the world because of all the Qurans and Islamic books they used to produce and they have the best sorts of paper available. So get some quality premium paper there printed on, oh, that's going to be amazing. Because there'll be a lot of history behind that. Oh, I never knew that. So, Teek, what's next for you? Um, I'm actually planning a few exhibitions this year. I'll update you guys on it and everybody... Information on that will probably be on my Facebook and social media pages. So if the listeners want to keep their ears to the ground, just follow me on there and then I'll keep them updated. Where can they find you then? Your social handles and website? Um, if you go to my website, teeks.co.uk, most of my social handles are there. Most of the time, if you Google Teeks, you'll probably find me. Cool. And I'll include all of the links to your social handles and websites. Um, and if there's any events when we launch the episode, I'll put them in the show notes as well. Cool. So our final question before we go, if you could broadcast any message across the world, what would it be? My artwork. <laughs> nah, I can't say that because that sounds too commercialized. I think, you know, we're, we're in a society where everybody just thinks about themselves. I guess sometimes we just got to sit down, have a meal with our neighbor and chill the heck out. That's it. We're coming now. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much, T, for coming on. It's been great getting an insight from you. And, you know, I've really enjoyed the show. Yeah, the pleasure's all mine. Bye. Hey, guys, before we let you go, we just want to ask you to please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you want to tell us about how boring Snickers milkshakes are, you can get in touch with us at info at onefootinthesink.com. If you really like our opening questions, we would love to hear what your answers are on our Facebook page, which is One Foot in the Sink. Hopefully they're not as dark as Foz's answers. So just again, if you missed it, so our social handles are Twitter is One Foot in the Sink. That's the number one. Facebook, One Foot in the Sink and Instagram, One Foot in the Sink. And our website is onefootinthesink.com. Cool. That's it, guys. And we'll see you guys soon.